Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. Yesterday, we celebrated a rather significant feast day in our calendar, which we often would call Michaelmas, but uh, the Feast of St. Michael, but it has been expanded to celebrate St. Michael, St. Gabriel, Raphael, and all the archangels. And on Saturday, we're going to celebrate the Feast of the Guardian Angels, which is rooted in a a statement that Jesus himself made about uh, the goodness of the children, each guarded by their own angel. And it's an opportunity to talk about the holy angels, what is their their role? How are they active among us? Because there are so many misconceptions uh, about angels. There's a popular image of wings and uh, powerful ability to move from one place to another. And this popular image has, has really become kind of devoid of religious meaning in various uh, aspects. In fact, I remember that back in the 16th century, one nobleman who used to collect relics actually claimed that he had a feather that dropped from the wing of Gabriel at the Annunciation to Mary, which would have been a true miracle in itself since angels are pure spirits. They do not have limbs or extensions or wings such as uh, a mere material reality such as a bird, an animal, or any particular human. But when you look at how angels are uh, portrayed within sacred scripture and how they have been received by the Christian tradition, we understand that these angels first of all, are creatures, just as we are creatures. They were created as pure spirits, and as pure spirits, they were created in a single instance of uh, the will of God. And in fact, at that instant, they had to make a decision for God or against God. I'm always grateful that human beings have a lifetime to make sure that distinction and that decision works. Because we are material beings as well as spiritual beings. But these pure spirits are signs of God's compassion, his protection, his guidance, and his healing for us. They also are so close to God that two of the choirs of angels there are nine, by the way. Two of the choirs of angels have simply one function, and as that is the worship and adoration of God. And by their very example and by their very activity, encouraging that same worship and adoration on the part of all human beings. We cannot see or touch angels, but we can experience them. We can speak with them, as John Henry Newman said, heart speaking to heart. 
And it is a heart, a mind, a consciousness which is open to that kind of conversation that has to be developed, I think, in our spiritual uh, reality. But yet we understand that no matter whether this is St. Michael who defends us, Gabriel who brings us good news, Raphael who heals, all of their presences, all of their gifts are there to turn our minds and hearts completely to the love of God. But the concern with the angels and with the uh, devotion that has developed within the Christian tradition, there is another reality that I think is especially important for our own time. Many of the choirs of angels were concerned with the ordering of the universe. That is, they became representatives, guardians of the rational structure uh, of the universe. And I mention this because of something that one of the great mathematicians and religious thinkers of the 17th century once said that is always stuck in our mind. We have to understand that in the 17th century, an entirely new attitude toward natural science developed because of the creation of instruments that allowed us to see the heavens more closely, to follow the pattern of the movement of the the stars and the planets. And this new silence was opening up to us the reality of the vastness of the universe. And it raised the issue of how do human persons fit into and live in this vast universe? The name of the mathematician and religious thinker was Blaise Pascal. In fact, uh, he was a, a genius at mathematics, and apparently his treatise on conic sections is still read and still used. And he was very much a part of this new science. But on one occasion, he asked a very interesting question. How shall we live now with the silence of the universe? Because under a medieval ordering of the universe, the universe was alive with with meaning and with movement. And uh, in fact, there was a kind of stronger attachment between human society and the natural ordering of, of the world. Of course, the new science uh, really ended up abandoning the merely uh, geometric and uh, almost astrological sense of, of the medieval ordering. But what Pascal is saying is, when the universe no longer speaks to us, no longer has a meaning for us that allows us to live more fully our human existence, what will we do? There was also a story that I heard about Blaise Pascal who was discussing many of these issues with a friend. And the friend said to him, do you realize that in the vastness of the universe, 
Human beings are really tiny things. And astronomically speaking, we're pretty insignificant. And Pascal responded, My dear friend, remember that astronomically speaking, we are the astronomers. We are the ones that are determining and, and defining this, this universe. And rather than the new science rendering this universe vast and dark, silent and cold, the angels are a statement that the created universe is not inimical to human thought and existence. It is not there simply crushing us in our smallness, but is rational, it can be studied, and it is indicative of the glory of God. And the understanding of the angels in our Christian sense of the universe as, in a sense, ordering the universe, maintaining its order for us, bringing us uh, messages that uh, deepen our understanding of it, allow us to find that the great universe awakens awe and wonder rather than fear and trembling. And remembering the message that our Lord gives us, do not be afraid, I am with you always. The guardian angels are there to do specifically that, to guard and to guide and to give us light, to remind us that Christ is always with us. But angels are also companions assisting us in prayer and adoration. There's a beautiful line in one of the stanzas of that very popular hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And it begins, angels. And I really stress that because if you look at the, the text very carefully, you will notice there's a comma after angels and just we're just calling upon them. Angels, help us to adore him. You behold him face to face. And every time we celebrate the sacred Eucharist, we celebrate it along with the saints and the angels, helping us to adore him and drawing us to that ultimate reality of our existence as human persons to see God face to face. They also allow us to understand that there is, around and among us, another world. And that world is simply beyond the material. And that should grant us a, another sense of awe and wonder, and also a holy curiosity of what this means, how it is there, how do we tap into it. And you may notice on the calendar between these two angelic feasts of Michael on the 29th and the guardian angels on October the 2nd lies the feast of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, lovingly known as the Little Flower. And if you want to know how, in fact, 
to live in a world in which there are angelic presences, a world that can be filled with awe and wonder. Read about how St. Therese realized that very sense, her little way, becoming the personification of love in this world, her deepest vocation, allowed her to understand that, as so many uh, saints found out, all in the hands of God, all will be well, all matter of thing will be well. Rest in the peace of Christ. And abiding in the charity of Christ, following the example of the little way of St. Therese, we may find peace in a frenzied world, as we look forward to a life of glory and pure joy. And remember the, the wonderful companionship of St. Therese, who said toward the end of her life, I want to spend my heaven doing good on earth. And isn't this the mission of the angels? <laughs> 